seven ducks in a muddy river. Anything in the Bible you remember about the number seven and anybody that had to do something with water? Eric, you heard my sermon this morning already, so uh, that, that's good. Uh, if you'll turn to 2 Kings chapter 5, you'll find that we're going to talk about our friend Naaman. Our friend Naaman. Uh, and well, it's good to have you folks doing sign language today. Thank you so much for that. Good to have guests with us. I, I always enjoy seeing what I say. It's fun. <laughs> so uh, I may just right in the middle of a sentence, though, say, did I really say that? So we'll, we'll go from there. Seven ducks in a muddy river from uh, 2 Kings chapter 5. This story is introduced to us in scripture by the writer of Kings and before uh, the division of the particular books of the Bible, first and second Kings were one book. The subject matter shifts from one to the other, so therefore they came with the division that we call first and second Kings. Here in chapter uh, five, we are introduced again to something of the struggle that has gone on and still goes on in the Middle East with countries and the neighbors down that we would call Israel and the, uh, the hatred that there has been for the Jew, but yet the blessing of God upon the people through all of the years. Damascus is the center as we began with the story of Naaman in chapter 5, but it shifts down south uh, to Jerusalem as he encounters the prophet of God Elisha. You remember that there are two prophets in the Old Testament that have similar names, Elijah and Elisha. Uh, Elisha became the protege and in training with Elijah. Elijah is about to leave and go be with the Lord, and Elisha makes a request of Elijah. The request is, I would like a double portion of the blessing that you receive from God. And when Elijah is leaving on that heavenly chariot that he gets to go to glory in, the blessing is given. And when you go back and look at the miracles that Elijah did, you'll discover when you look at Elisha, they're exactly double. Exactly double. So this is a miracle involving Naaman from Damascus with Elisha down in Jerusalem as the prophet of the Lord. Damascus has been a city and some believe may be the oldest occupied city on the face of the earth, longer than any other. The story is centered about 2,800 years ago and Naaman was the commander-in-chief or as we would say uh, chief commander or the leading soldier uh, for the uh, uh, Syrian army uh, under Ben-Hadad, who was the king. Isn't that an interesting name, Ben-Hadad? Anybody here? Your name is Ben-Hadad? Maybe, maybe your middle name? Well, it's not mine either. I just thought I'd ask and see if it might be uh, what's going on. So pick up with me in chapter 5 of Second Kings. Now Naaman, captain of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man, 
with his master and highly respected because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. The man was also a valiant warrior, but he was what? What does the scripture say? A leper. He was a leper. He was a valiant man, but he was a leper. Now the Syrians had gone out in bands that had taken captive a little girl from the land of Israel, and she waited on Naaman's wife, or she was a servant in Naaman's household. And she said to her mistress, I wish that my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria. Then he would cure him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus spoke the girl who is from the land of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. He departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, And now as this letter comes to you, behold, I have sent Naaman my servant to you, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And it came about when the king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man is sending word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? But consider now, see how he's seeking a quarrel against me. So uh, the king down here in Israel responds by saying he wants to do battle because the king, Ben-Hadad, and Naaman had conquered. They were the ruling power at this particular time. And it happened in Jerusalem when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes and that he sent word to the king saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Now let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and his chariots and stood at the doorway of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you. You shall be clean. But Naaman was furious. He went away and said, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abinah and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned away and left in a rage. Then his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father had the prophet told you to do some great thing. Would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Damascus is still in the news quite often today because there always seems to be wars that are going on between the Mideastern countries. Naaman, renowned for his military ability, and was serving King Ben-Hadad, and they literally were ruling 
that part of the world at this particular time, probably about 2,800 years ago. Damascus may very well be the oldest city populated continuously on the face of the earth. So in history, a lot of things have centered here in the Middle East, particularly in this area. Strong army led by a master of military might and military strategy by the name of Naaman, well known throughout the region. But as people would talk and word begin to spread about all of the things, there was always this appendage, Naaman, but he has leprosy. But he's a leper. Leprosy still is known as that dreaded disease of the body killing itself from within. Leprosy is a disease that starts internally, usually from a bruise on an appendage. The skin will darken slightly and then begin to just disintegrate with gangrene interiorly until eventually there's insensitivity in the fingers and in the toes, then in the hands and in the feet, and the body just begins to get involved in internal uh, uh, degradation until the to the point to where it carries out death. So this was a disease that captured the individual. I'm sure there were all kinds of uh, potions sold, uh, probably uh, oils from some particular berry or a particular spring that you might could go to for healing, much like what we hear about today as it relates to diseases. But this parable tells us the story of a great man who because of his position was looked upon but yet described with leprosy. The typology of the Bible would also have us understand that leprosy is a word explaining sin. Sin is a disease of the spiritual man that we're all infected with internally. How many people have ever sinned? Y'all are sinless? Lindale First Church is sinless? No, the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So my friends, you're sick. And the only cure is found in Jesus Christ. So the question is, do I need to go back and visit my point of salvation again? And determine where I am in relationship to, yes, I know the Lord, but I've compromised my life as a believer. And I'm not living the life that I ought to be living that would show reference to the healing power of the resurrected Christ. Or perhaps you're here and you've never met the great physician. You've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and keeper for all eternity with Him in the security of a relationship with the Lord. So here is Naaman. I'm sure that he had uh, tried every remedy that had come down the road or had stopped off in Damascus and would do whatever anyone suggested if there might be a solution 
there might be a solution. So when this little girl says, there's a prophet of the Lord, he goes to Ben-Hadad, and Ben-Hadad says, I'm going to write a letter for you, and you go down there and give this letter to the king. You go down and tell him, or I'll tell him in the letter. Can you imagine how that king felt when the power of Damascus came down? Uh, He said, am I God? Am I God? I'm sure that he probably got a little bit upset and a little bit trembled and said, uh, he's wanting to declare war against us. and I I can't do this. I can't do this. And, And so he just, you know, Uh, was was trembling and so word began to spread all across Jerusalem we may be at war it looks like the king from up in Damascus is one to bring war against us because our king cannot do by the way the king in Israel at this time was the son of Ahab and Jezebel you recognize those names Ahab and Jezebel two of the most wicked people that have ever lived on the face of the earth And their son was now king in Israel. So he was not necessarily excited about going to battle because he had not been totally that successful in the position that he held. So here, word begins to spread all over Jerusalem. And finally it reaches Elisha's house. And Elisha sends word to the king. Tell him to come over to my place and we'll take care of this. So the king said, I'll do anything to get him off my hands. So he gives him direction over to Elisha's place. Now here he is in the palace of the king, and he's going to the humble dwelling of a Southern Baptist preacher. I'll wait. He's going to the dwelling of God's prophet, which was not nearly anything, I'm sure, like the palace. And when he gets there, he sends his servant in to let Elisha know that he's outside. And the servant goes in, explains the situation, I'm sure. And Elisha says, send him down to the Jordan River and tell him to go and dip himself, duck himself, seven times in the Jordan River. So the servant comes back. The servant comes back. And Naaman is living. I'm sure he turned red in the face, his chest bulged out. The anger, I thought at least he'd come outside and wave his hand over me or put his hand upon me and do some hocus pocus and deliver me from this. By the way, we've got better rivers back home than down here in this muddy little old stream that y'all call a river. I could have bathed there and enjoyed it much more. I don't need a Saturday night bath. Gets in his chariot, strikes, heads back north. He's going back to Damascus. And finally, the servant stops him and said, Look, if he'd ask you to do something difficult, if he'd ask you to get on your knees and crawl all the way back to Damascus and you'd be healed, would you do it? Of course I'd do it. Well, what's to keep you from going down to the Jordan River? This is something easy. This is not difficult. This is obedience to the command to bring about healing. And so they go back down to the Jordan River. He stops his chariot. He gets out. There are two, three things you need to see. First of all, this great man who was known as the leader of the 
strongest army probably in the world at this particular time, unless you went to the Far East. But he comes back and, and, and he steps down. First of all, he got off of his high horse. He steps down by the Jordan River and he looks at it, you know, thinking within himself, this is foolishness. Why, why would I have to do this? Then I think he took off that good, he probably wore his dress uniform, don't you think? To, to, to come down with the letter from the king. He took that off and then in humility of a normal person doing what God's instructions were, he goes down into the Jordan River. He wades out in that Jordan River and he starts ducking himself ducking himself. One, two, three, four. Comes up each time. I'm sure he looks to check if he's still got white spots on his skin. Down he goes again. Five, six. And when he comes up that seventh time, what happens? No white spots. No two-tones. He was clean. He was healed. He was pure. The healing power of God had touched his body and it says that it was like the flesh of a child. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This whole event started with the expression of a little girl, didn't it? That's the way it started, up in Naaman's house. A little Israeli girl that was there as a servant knew God through the man of God. And she said, if he would go speak to the man of God, he could cure him of his leprosy. And when God sent the cure, he made him just as whole as that little girl. Now, isn't it amazing, as we would say, that God does things the way he does them? You know, we ought to listen to our kids sometimes. You know, really because we as adults are so smart. Laugh, come on. We, we think we're so smart, but isn't it amazing how God sometimes sends messages through our children? We need to take time to listen. We need to take time to listen. And as we take time to listen, I, I, I used to just get so upset on Sunday mornings getting dressed for church. Get my shower, get everything, you know, put on my shirt put on my trousers, and then I'd get, sit down to put on my shoes. And I'd cross my legs to pull my socks over on to my foot. But you know, there's always a little residue on your legs. And particularly if you're wearing a dark suit, you take that leg, leg down, and guess what? You done messed up your pants. And I'd start, Ahab, I'd storm around a little bit, and then go get a lip brush and work it over and one night we were having a family meeting and I just kind of made a casual remark and my youngest son raised his hand. I said, what is it, Dad? He said, tell you how to stop that, Dad. I said, how? He said, put your socks on first. <laughs> what a revelation. And you know what? I put my socks on first this morning. Isn't it amazing the wisdom that sometimes comes in those kinds of situations? But now, this wisdom involved the life of a man of great prestige, of great might, of great power, but yet the testimony of a child. If he would go down to the prophet of God in Israel, God would take care of that situation. I think that pride had something to do with it. 
Here was a man who had a great reputation, but he had leprosy. I think perhaps Naaman looked at himself and said, you all just don't realize who you're dealing with. God didn't see him as a great man who had leprosy. God saw him as a leper who was a great man. And God sees us as sinners with the potential, with the potential of him doing great work in our lives as we allow him to so work and do his bidding. You, you see, a lot of folks, because of the pride and the situations they find themselves in, will back up and say, I'm just not real sure about this. What if I mess up? Has God ever messed up? No, no. And if God's leading you, He's not going to allow it to mess up in a way that would be de detrimental to you or me in the sense of what He wants to do. Someone ever told you, you can't do that? And you felt like, well, I'll just keep trying. I'll, I'll just keep trying. Aren't you glad Thomas Edison kept blowing out candles? You all will get that about 3 o'clock today. He kept working and working. You know, uh, finally one night he got that electric light to come on and Ms. Edison came into the lab and said, turn that out and come to bed. So, uh, that's the way life treats us sometimes. God in his teaching from his word has brought us to the point to where he would say, why don't you try me and trust me? And see if I won't pour out on you blessings that you won't even be able to contain. You've tried everything else. Why not really try the one who gives everything else? Perhaps you're here and you're living in the middle of a mess. Might not all be created by you, but it may be created by the sources of strength and power that touch your life. You can't just keep letting it get larger and bigger until the point it just explodes. You need to bring it in after you've spent time praying and talking to the Lord and getting His direction. You see, if we come to the Lord and say, Forgive me, Lord. I, I need a new start. I'm going to repent. I believe. I trust you. I give you my life. I'm waiting for your miracle of salvation. I believe you're going to do this. I believe you're going to to take care of this, what's eating me alive and destroying my life. Lord, I'm going to do that. You know, the Lord's waiting for you. He's waiting for you. The Bible says, if we come to the Lord, believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord, He'll save us. And as believers, as we come back in that same attitude of humility and we say Lord I don't know how to deal with this I don't know how to do this and so I'm, I'm, I'm laying it to you and asking you in your spirit to speak to my spirit folks isn't that something reasonable to do if we're believers then why do we allow things to come into our lives and literally begin to destroy our fellowship with the father which then destroys our fellowship with each other in fact there are folks who are mad at each other because generations ago somebody forgot to say thank you. When we come before the Lord 
He's waiting just for me and you. Because we come individually, but we have to learn to do what the intelligent thing is to do. That's what Naaman had to learn. When God sends the answer, you may look at it and say, that can't be the answer, but you know it's from God. You better take it. Well, it's going to be tough. Isn't life tough? Did, did you ever notice that life comes one day at a time? You can't go back and live yesterday, and you can't go ahead and live tomorrow because it hasn't arrived. So what are you going to do today? This is the day of salvation. This is the word of the Lord. This is the day for you. It was Naaman's day. And even in the belligerent attitude that he took toward Elisha, when his servant said, the simplicity of a muddy river and just ducking yourself for seven times sounds rather stupid, but it ought to be worth the try. When you follow the Lord, every challenge of life, every day that He gives you is well worth the try. Because His rewards are much like Naaman's reward. They come with completeness. 